This is The Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Hi, everyone. This is Patrick Donahoe. Welcome this morning to The Wealth Standard Radio. We're on episode 175. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the title in, in and of itself is going to, to create some stir. It's going to be uh, the title for today is Chunga and the Creature from Jekyll Island. But I'm not the creature. <laughs> Where I'm, did you come up with I'm this? I'm not the creature from Jekyll Island. Well, I have to fill you in on, like, what, what Jekyll Island is and what, right. and what the creature from Jekyll Island is. Well, you're, yeah, you're in for a treat. You're in for a treat today. Okay. Well, I can't wait. Yeah, we we do have an awful lot of stuff to go over. We do. Yeah. There's uh, a lot. Go- there's a lot going on with just this last couple weeks of the year. Yeah. And the reason why we chose this because next week is is when uh, Janet Yellen and her posse of the twelve presidents of the Federal Reserve banks get together and do their business in the FOMC. Boy, there's yeah. There's wow. We have. Um, it really is a very remarkable time to be uh, to be to be working in media or podcasting or news or journalism because there's something new and mind blowing almost every day. Yeah, uh, we've had all this record growth on Wall Street, which is um, I, I, we can, I guess we can talk about that in a moment about yeah. whether that's good or bad. Yeah, it's it's it, yeah. There's everything. There's a good side to things and there's a bad side to things. It's always it's always the case, yeah. right? And so it really comes down to okay, do you understand both sides? And with those both sides, can you kind of predict where things are are going? So it's going to be good because you know we I've done a ton of kind of research and study into just monetary policy and fiscal policy, yeah. and so it's going to be cool to kind of go with you know some of your insight into you know what the the trump administration is potentially going to do what they've already done even though they're not even well official. That's, that's the thing that's kind of uh that's just crazy because trump has not taken office no yeah, no. and his cabinet isn't complete and even though the cabinet is not done and he has not taken an oath of office there have been sweeping changes already uh within the business uh you know the the uh, the national business community yeah. you have a deal that was apparently reached um i think it was yesterday or the day before from carrier which it was a huge campaign promise that he made yep. which was if carrier leaves uh carrier will not be selling their product in the united states without some huge tax problems hmm. Uh, and this guy potentially saved, I think they were saying up to 1,100 jobs. And that was, and, uh, Mike Pence, cause it was in, was, it was, was in Indianapolis, wasn't it that, yeah. was it, that's what their base is. And so they were lobbying for that pretty hard, even on the campaign, from what well, I remember. Yeah. And if you recall, um, many of you listening now will recall when, when Carrier made the announcement, there was a, a cell phone video that was made. And it went viral, mm. and Mike Pence got a hold of that video and immediately pulled a bunch of government subsidies, which he had been giving giving Carrier as governor of Indiana. He yeah, pulled all those immediately. Wow. So they're getting, uh, I think it's in excess of seven hundred thousand dollars a year in government subsidies to stay and keep people in play and keep people employed. Excuse me, and keep people in play. Same thing. Same thing. Uh, but they, and, and this is on the heels of the Ford deal. Yeah. And the Ford deal, it looks is is going to be fantastic. For the for uh, the uh, the auto workers of the United States, and now, and now Nabisco may soon follow. Yeah, it's going to be, and I want to talk through all that because you know I, I know that you know from what it seems, there's momentum. You know, consumer confidence is high, and you know this is just you know weeks after people thought the world was going to end because he was you right. know elected. But I still I have my reservations. I still think that you know he he's in for just a, a an uphill battle. 
and it's not going to be the same as if he was running his own own business. So anyway, we're gonna, that's what we're going to get into. We're going to talk about the Federal Reserve, which is the creature from Jekyll Island. That's that's oh, that's the, the uh, that's the that's the what Fed it's referred is to. The creature yep. from Jekyll Island. It is. Okay. Yep. And then we're going to talk about kind of monetary policy, what the current fiscal situation is regarding interest rates and taxes, and then we get, we're going to get into really the momentum that is building behind the Trump administration, and it's going to be like you know, well, yeah, tra- I mean, it, trains hitting each other. It's it's whoever's going faster and whoever has much has more uh, more weight behind them. Well, I love that you <laughs> let me be on the show because uh, because. I do have a background in politics, which we've talked about a little bit, uh, but I don't have a background in finance per se. So I get to play the role of the dumb guy. For people that may be listening that may not have the education that, that someone like yourself has, mm-hmm. we can clarify a lot of this stuff about the Fed and politics and the roles between the two mm-hmm. and what's going to happen before he takes office, Trump, I'm talking about Trump, and what happens after. Uh, and the first question I want to pose to you, uh, if I may, is uh, who makes a larger impact on the American people faster? Is it the president of the United States or is it the Fed? Uh, I, it's 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 the Fed, and and there's a lot that goes that goes into it. I think most people would would think that it's the president. Yeah, of the United and I think States. the president may have an initial an an initial bump one way or the other based on what they're doing or what they're saying. Uh-huh. But really if you look at the the underpinning of the entire world economy, it's the it's the Fed. And that's how much influence and clout and power they have, which was never the intention. Well, it depends on your what they uh, told who, you versus you, yeah. yeah, it's the intention. It, that was the intention, but that right. was not what the disclosed, you know, public uh, display of intention was. So, yeah, I think if you really look at the Federal Reserve and the control of monetary policy and interest rates, not just in the U.S. but around the world, uh-huh. okay, that is that it affects it affects literally everything. And so, and that's what I want to you know kind of get into today because most people would say, okay, it's easy to understand. The president saying, I want to do this. I go to Congress and we get things passed and it does this. I mean, there's a couple steps there. But yeah. if you look at monetary policy, there's like uh, 10, 15, 20, 30, 100 times the amount of kind of things that are happening when monetary policy changes or adjusts. Well, that is a fear. That's a fear yeah. that I see is that there's been an, a, you know, a lot of very big talk. And I, I'm a, my fear is, is that the American people are going to think that these changes are going to happen very, very quickly. Yeah. And we all know with monetary policy, that isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I also think that with uh, some of these other proposed changes, Obamacare being one of them, mm-hmm. it's going to take a lot longer than people think. Uh, and if something like Obamacare is going to take a long time, imagine how long it's going to take with monetary policy. I know, and that's and that's what's going to. And, and I I would actually argue that because monetary policy could go quicker. So oh, here's, really? Yeah. So here's my here's okay. my here's my thought, and, and this is where I wanted to kind of kind of deviate a little bit and kind of give you give you background on what the creature from Jekyll Island is. So I went Great. to I actually went to Jekyll Island earlier this year. Okay. And it's a it's an island uh, off the coast of Georgia. Uh-huh. Okay, and it was basically like kind of the the winter haven for the Northeast, right back in, okay. way back in the day. Okay, so Jekyll Island was the location of, and they and they're it's completely in the open. I mean, there's 
pictures everywhere in their little boardroom. It's it's just a hotel right now, a resort. And but back in the day, that is when you know a lot of the you know some of the Rockefeller family It'd be families like almost like an offsite the, kind the, of thing. They don't yeah. Know so and... they and they went under kind of pseudonym. They was pseudonames to to this you know location to conceive right the uh, central bank in the United States, which they're going to call the Federal Reserve. No, it is. That's so scary. No, it is, and it's, <laughs> it's seriously crazy. no. It, and you you know the the book that was written on it, which is by uh, G. Edward Griffin, it is. I mean, it's huge, and it goes through the entire entire history. But what it does, it shows that really the central uh, central bank controls like I said before, it controls the entire economy. So right. it was in the best interest of a lot of the, the banking families at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and this was, you know, the, the Rothschilds, the Morgans, uh, you know, part of the Rockefellers were there as well. I mean, there's represented representation from government, but also the banking banking families at the time. Okay. So they came together and created the, the Federal Reserve, uh, kind of the, the idea behind it. And in 1913, the Federal Reserve Act uh, came to be right mm, where okay. now you have you know this central bank which was going to become the bank for banks and it was pitched to the United States that it would be you know the lender of last resort mm-hmm. but here's the interesting thing is in 1913 really when the vote came down to passing the Federal Reserve Act it was during uh, the the holiday season so there's only a few members in Congress and so it passed really nobody easily nobody really it. paid attention to it okay so but then you fast still forward do that to this day by the way yeah and so you fast forward to like you know 1929 when you had well even to 1907 you go into you know really the early part of the, of the 20th century and there were you know some corrections in the market and the fed started to step in and kind of give this uh kind of cushion uh-huh. okay and that cushion kind of created some more uh, higher risk taking and then you go into 1929 with the great depression Every, everything's credit based everybody Everybody's feeling very confident. Yeah, and then it, and then from there it started to kind of unravel. And since then, it's been you know the Federal Reserve has just been building more and more and more uh, influence, more power. And really, in two thousand, you know, if you go to the early early two thousands, maybe nineteen ninety nine, but early two thousands when we had nine eleven. If you remember, Alan Greenspan was the the chairman of the Federal Reserve, yep. and he. You know, he uh, lowered interest rates to almost all-time lows. Oh, he submarined the interest rates. Yeah, because of you know 9/11, and he wanted to create they were confidence. were zero for a long time, for years, if he, I recall. Well, he 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 lowered it to what was unprecedented at the time, which is which was one yeah. percent, right? And then after the crash of 2008, oh, that's 2009. Right. That's, that's when Bernanke right. lowered it to the all-time lows. Yeah, you're right. That's right. A, yeah, so I, you I look at one. yeah, so you look at kind of why that's important. It's because the Federal Reserve essentially they control. Uh, the supply of of money in the entire world. Okay, now money is most people don't look at money as a commodity, but money is a commodity, and it's mm-hmm. it should be determined by an open market, free market of supply and demand. But right now, it's really controlled by the initiatives of the Federal Reserve. So what the Federal Reserve has been doing si- since the last like eight eight nine years since Obama has been in office is they've I think the their their balance sheet has more than it's almost tripled. I think it's more it's more than double. Mm-hmm. Their balance sheet. Now you have to ask yourself and this the question: Is this a result of bad policy? This is well, a result of bad decision making. N- this- no, I think it was intentional, right? Okay. So, so think about think about a balance sheet. So, a balance sheet is you know it's your assets and liabilities. Right. Okay? okay. Now, how does somebody come up with assets? Well, they go out, they create value, they earn money, and they put it somewhere. Sure. Okay. How does the Federal Reserve create assets? Through taxes and entitlements. Nope. Federal Reserve creates assets out of nothing. Wow. 
Okay. Explain for yep. those of us who don't understand this. What does that mean? So the Federal Reserve, right? They have no reserves, right? They don't. They don't do anything other than control monetary policy. Okay. But they have basically through the Federal Reserve Act, they can literally create money out of thin air. They just go poof. We have money. Here we have money. And this is what they do. So and really it values the existing currency when that for happens. For sure. Because yeah. you're creating money that didn't exist before, okay. which creates a greater supply. And if those understand supply and demand, right, it, it devalues the existing monetary base. Okay. Wow. Okay. So if you look at or mon- monetary, yeah, money supply. So if you look at really kind of creating money out of nothing, how do they do that? They don't just like come up with it and somebody has to approve it. Somebody has to say. Yeah, okay. and they have to buy something. Okay, because they get okay. they get an asset because they buy the asset. So so normally what the Federal Reserve is typically doing is buying like government assets, right? Okay. So let's say the U.S. government. So right now the U.S. government uh, they spend about a half a trillion dollars more. Yeah. Then they bring in in income tax revenue. Yeah, that, sure. Okay. I, th- I think that's common knowledge. Everybody knows. So that, where right? does the money come? Like, where who gives them half a half a trillion dollars a year? Okay. Okay. That's where. You know what's funny is that you say this, and I always kind of thought because I I have heard this before, but creating money out of nowhere, I always thought that's where the nine hundred dollar hammer comes into play. That's where the two thousand dollar toilet seat comes into play when they when they start getting. Yeah, but you have to pay for the nine hundred dollar toilet seat or two hundred dollar hammer. So I've got or whatever it backwards. You said. I have it backwards. Yeah, because you because the okay. thing is, it's like yeah, they're going to spend the money, but they need to get money in the first place to spend it, right? Okay. So right now you have a lot of you know, and and I'm not saying that the Federal Reserve is the only one that buys uh, government debt, okay? Uh-huh. But basically, if the government you know if they need money. They basically create a, a bond, or they create a treasury. Okay, note. Well, they, I thought it was going to be bond. We talked about that in the last podcast. Yeah. Was this a bonds? Is that how they do it through bonds? Yeah, and so they, so the okay. treasury, you know, they they create these instruments, but somebody has to buy them. Okay, so if you look at, you know, really the buyers that are out there, it's a lot of the, you know, the sovereign funds and nations, and that's you know they store their money in government type of securities, right? Because okay. you know the U.S. government is seemingly more stable than other governments. Okay. Okay. So, but that's when you know the Federal Reserve came in in two thousand eight. 2009 and they started to buy everything okay so if you look at you know banks so banks at the time had all these like mortgage bad mortgage debt right okay and they need to get rid of it because they couldn't raise new money they couldn't like do their operations if they had all of these terrible you know terrible securities on their balance sheet so guess who bought them the Federal Reserve bought them. How did they buy them? They created money out of nothing and wrote a check to J.P. Morgan, wrote a check to Bank of America, wrote a check to whoever had these mortgage-backed securities. And this is the this isn't the and this took them on in their balance sheet. This isn't the bailout. Then this is not. Is this part of the bailout? It's part of the bailout. It's part of it. Yep. Okay. And then the quantitative easing, right? Which is another. I don't want to get into kind of the details, but quantitative easing is basically the Fed continuing to do the same thing, which is they create money out of nothing by a bond, by a treasury, by whatever. And uh-huh. what that does is it suppresses interest rates, right? We talked about that a couple episodes right, ago right. where if you have more buyers than sellers, mm-hmm. okay, then uh, yeah, prices are going to get bid up. Okay, but with a bond, if you're bidding up the price of a bond, the bond, you know, the bond has a set coupon rate, a set right. interest rate. Right. So if you're paying more for the same interest rate, the effective interest rate is actually less. Okay, so what they're doing is they're you know, they're pushing they're down doing that interest to keep the rates. Interest rate low. Exactly. Okay. So that's the idea is they're trying to control interest rates uh-huh. and really the idea is if there's more if the interest rates are lower, people are more prone to uh, spend money than save it. If mm-hmm. interest rates are are high, 
people are more prone to saving money and the first than people spending. To react it. to that is the mortgage and the lending industry. The, the For mortgage, sure, and you're already companies. seeing that, right? Because today, you know, and that, so when when the Fed goes in, you know, they can't go in and adjust mortgage rates. They can't go in and adjust uh, even even treasuries, right? Mm-hmm. They go in and adjust basically a, a couple of things. They'll go in and adjust what's called the discount rate, mm-hmm. and they'll also go in and adjust the federal funds rate as as well as the reserve requirement of banks. That's what they're their kind of typical actions mm-hmm. are but when they got into quantitative easing that was kind of the next you know the next phase but okay so for people who are new because I'm playing that role today yeah. so people who are new uh, they hear prime all the time prime yep. lending rate prime lending rate and it is is it a uh, an average or some sort of mean number that comes out of those different um, those it is. different areas that you just mentioned yeah yeah so the okay. discount you know so you have the you have the discount rate okay which is basically the rate at which banks can borrow from the federal reserve okay okay and you have the federal funds rate which is basically the rate at which banks can borrow from one another because the okay. federal reserve sets like a reserve requirement yeah and if banks fall you know within that so that's that gets into another whole issue but we'll end in a couple minutes so you can get into you know why this is not good for the momentum that trump's building okay okay so the idea is if you if you deposit 100 bucks in, in a bank okay okay they can legally lend 90 percent of that Okay, 90, wow. sometimes more. Okay, so that means that if everybody went and requested their deposits, there's no money there. They're, they're only 10% of the money is there. Okay, so they need somebody to back those activities up. Okay. And that's where the Federal Reserve first came into, came into play. Okay. Right, so they require that banks hold you know, that 10% reserve requirement. But if banks don't have it, they can borrow from other banks that have excess reserves. So that's called the federal funds rate, and they pay an interest rate for that. This is so scary. Yeah, it is. It's it, scary. it is. And that's why I said before, it's like, you know, you have Trump can say this or Obama can say this and suddenly things start to, to happen. People can understand that. All this crap, it's like nobody understands it. No, nobody gets no. it. And so the idea is, you know, they've really pulled the wool over our eyes. They meaning just kind of the powers that be. They pull the wool over our eyes and have given us this story that, you know, monetary policy is good, that we're bankers and we know what's best for people. And it's a, in my opinion, it's a, it's kind of a charade. You know, and I don't want to get, I don't want to get too off topic here. I don't want to derail anything at all. But when you take a look at, at, um, wealth building strategies and, uh, a convention 401ks for example yeah. every every one of these strategies is atypical and it, it's all based around this yeah so i think uh prudence would dictate that people should start looking for alternative wealth secure uh, securing wealth strategies correct yeah cause, i mean if you look at yeah if you look at just the the mainstream financial strategy it's all based on things that are affected by everything we're talking about right now yeah and and that's the and you want things that are affected by decisions that you make within your own family you within your own job and or not Non-correlated. There's non-correlated assets as well, right? Okay. Non-correlated assets. I mean, we, 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 which, you know, when markets do fluctuate and oscillate, they're not necessarily affected by by those. But let me just kind of wrap up the whole Federal Reserve idea. Yeah. The Federal Reserve idea is they're gonna, you know, next week they're they're gonna come out with an announcement and they're probably gonna in- increase interest rates because markets are already priced. Okay. Okay. Interest rates are going to go up. Okay. And they've already gone up. Now, what does that mean? It means that the cost. Right of borrowing money goes up for everybody. So the cost of buying a home, cost exactly. of buying a car. So think about the logic Credit of cards. Think about the logic of buying a home. If you can afford, you know, fifteen hundred dollars on a mortgage payment, okay, at four percent interest, okay, if the interest rates go up to you know five percent or six percent on mortgages, okay, you can still only afford the fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Why okay? would they? Why Which would, would they you do would, this? 
right now where um, a home ownership is, a, I think, a 50-year low. Yeah. Uh, what, what, is the, uh, what is the logic in this? Well, the logic is, I mean, they, they realize that interest rates are artificially low. They can't keep buying bonds. They can't uh -huh. just keep printing money and printing money and printing money and buying. They have to let interest rates stabilize because that can't go on forever. Because if you start to create, and that's the other... So they know they're going to have several years of discomfort and, and possibly... Oh, yeah. Um, more homes going into foreclosure, um, more homes not being sold. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because you you hit on a good point, which is home ownership, and really you look at who owns the majority of homes these days. It, not to get off on a tangent here, but uh, it's more investors, and you have a lot of like foreign buyers of real estate too. They're not just right. putting money into you know the treasuries and government. They're putting money into housing. I mean, if right. you look at all the Chinese influx of money going into housing, it's it's pretty unreal if you look at those statistics but we're, we won't get there so much we should do an entire show about this. yeah we probably should we're really really interested in this and we've and, done a bunch in the past everybody yeah, yeah. well yeah you can go check just out the reserve, standard yeah just just look you know search federal reserve and you'll see a bunch of podcasts that okay. pop up awesome but the idea you know really the federal reserve is it has a ton of influence a ton of power so what's going to happen next week is is going to create something interesting because right now you have a government that has twenty trillion dollars of debt, which means they owe twenty trillion dollars to people. Okay, they owe it to the Fed, they owe it to you know the Social Security Fund, they owe it to other nations that have purchased bonds. They owe that, and twenty trillion dollars is a lot of money. Yeah. Okay. So it's the incomprehensible, issue, really. It is, and right now the carry, which is the interest, you know, the interest payments they're making are probably, you know, in the range of like two hundred to three hundred billion a, uh, a year, <sighs> and. And that's on interest rates that are at like almost zero. I mean, zero. Almost nothing. If you start to increase interest rates, those payments are going to go up. So you have two issues. You have $20 trillion of debt that has to be paid back, let alone the interest carry. Right. Then you also have half a trillion dollars in overspending, which is basically spending more than you're bringing in in revenue. Uh -huh. That's going on right now. Oh so now gosh. Donald Trump comes into office. Now let's let's talk about it, right? Okay, so now you yeah, bring so up your points because about Trump and before and after. Exactly. So let's talk about you know some of his policies, right? So he okay. wants to keep jobs here instead of uh, exporting. Uh -huh. But think about think about the logic there. Okay, so a few things can happen. Well, right? the price of everyday items is going to go sky high if you do that. Correct? Exactly. Exactly. If he does it, it, it the way he wants to do it, and he wants to lower the corporate tax, right, which will mean more revenue for for the companies, and so they may not have to increase prices because so if taxes didn't okay. change, let's say taxes didn't change, right, uh -huh. and that's the thing is like you go back to like Reagan because everyone's comparing Trump to Reagan, right? So you go back to Reagan, and it's not like in a day you can just totally reform the tax code. Right, you can't. That well, takes no. a and, long and time. It took I, him a long time. I thought to myself, I hope Trump's got a really good press secretary because I think a lot of the things that the perception is is that in his first hundred days, a great many of these things are going to change, which we referenced at the beginning of the podcast here. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's possible. He can get the ball rolling, yeah, right? Can which be I think is going to help in sure. markets. But at the end of the day, it's not going to, it's not going to necessarily affect the bottom line of businesses because the idea, his idea is. In order to keep jobs here, you have to make it attractive. Okay. Right. So, and you make it attractive by creating really some certainty regarding taxes in the future, mm -hmm. because that's the thing. It's like businesses. If if there's uncertainty, businesses are not going to invest any money in people. They're not going to invest money in infrastructure. They're not going to invest and that, money. And that's what happened with the bailout when when a lot of the government money went into these uh, corporations with the hope that they would start hiring people and yeah. they would start the wheels turning. And instead, what they did was they hoarded it. 
No, it well, did nothing. well, that's so that's well, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but if you look at that bailout, like the $700 billion right. bailout for banks, which I think we both agree shouldn't have happened, shouldn't have right. happened. But when it happened, banks took that money and they invested in treasuries. Because if you're bought, if you're getting you're getting free money at zero, yeah, and you can go and invest at four percent, which that's where rates were at the time, yeah, that's like insane, an insane rate of return. Why would you go and give a person a credit card that just defaulted and filed bankruptcy? Well, yeah, I kind of look at this like your brother-in-law comes to you and says, "Hey, man, I'm uh, I'm losing my house. I I need your help. Give me some money." And then he goes and buys a Corvette with it. Exactly. Right. And so that, that's exactly. Yeah. So that's a great. That's a great. That's a great metaphor. So that that's what ultimately happened, right? But again, you go to okay, these corporations are. You know, they've uh, Trump is going to you know lower tax rates. They're going to give you know co- corporations that hold money, uh, both profits uh, and assets offshore, and help them you know with lowering kind of what the repatriation tax would be when they bring money back in. Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea sounds good, and if it happens, it, it corporations are not forced to hire people. They're not forced to build factories. They're not forced to do that. Who knows what they're going to do? And I guess do. you can't, as a, as a government entity, I guess you can't give stipulations, which is you're going to get this money under the condition that you hire. Or you're so going to get people. this tax rate under the conditions that you're going to actually spend you know, money to increase. Yeah, that's not yeah. even legal, is it? Is that even legal? No, to do you can't do that. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, you, you go to like the bailout of GM uh, and, you know, they, <laughs> they were, they, they, their stock didn't allow them to have influence, like how they held right. their stock. Right. But they kind of like exercised influence. Anyway, I don't, okay. don't want to get there. But yeah, you can't force them to do that. You can compel them and give them. We've opened a Pandora's box we of have, different places we can go with this. No kidding. Yeah, this is this is going to be way longer than we, we, yeah, than we well, thought. And that's okay. I think yeah. it's, I think people are very interested, especially at this point. Yeah, in but history, I, but so. the idea is, you know, because the idea behind corporate taxes is, and what Trump wants to facilitate is, okay, if we lower your taxes, we're going to increase your profits. But at the same time, you're already sitting on a ton of cash, and I'm talking like generally across the board. Right. Corporations are sitting on a ton of cash, and they're not investing it because there's no certainty. So if he gives them some certainty with the tax code, gives them some certainty with trade. Okay, we can hire some yeah. people. We can offer better. But that's better what pay. they have to do. They have to build some factories, which gives workers uh, opportunities to you know to to have a job and make money, and then also you create you know more workers for the actual business business itself. That puts more money into the economy and starts creating what's known as velocity. So velocity is really what the issue is with what the Fed has tried to do right. is just put more money into the economy so that people will spend it so it keeps like cycling through the economy. And right now, velocity is like at all-time lows, and it's ha- it's been that way right. because people don't have higher salaries, right? People don't have more money because the businesses are hoarding that. They're they're right. uncertain about what to do and to expand. So right now, it's just a, it's an interesting time where you have everything he's trying to initiate, right? It could increase velocity, which could increase tax revenue. But how I look at it is just, it's such an uphill battle yeah. that, I don't know, it's a... Okay, well, it, best case scenario, yeah, then say everything that he wants to put into motion is put into motion. Uh, what would what would the timeline for something like this be? <laughs> yeah, that and that's the thing is like de- debt pay- debt payments are due today. You know, right. debt payment. You know, you have paper rolling over. So that's another issue too. Is like you have when a bond when you do like a note or a, a treasury. You know, you have different maturity periods. Okay, okay. You, have, you have like you know, short term and long term. If you have these maturity periods, you got to pay back the lender all their principal and the and interest. Okay. Uh, or the interest payments that you were making, but you have to pay back the principal as well. So 
normally what they've been doing because they don't have the money to do it uh-huh. is they just have you know they roll over the paper into that actually that same investor mm-hmm. or somebody else comes in and buys it right now i mean they they're doing that over and over and over again so looking at what really a mess. it's a it is a mess and that's that's my point it's like you have this like this train wreck of um, of monetary policy, eight years of like terrible monetary policy and, and yeah. fiscal policy, right. right? Because now you have you know you had a president that you know, and again you can put blame on him or Congress or whatever. I mean, who, there's both there's well, arguments it, to both sides look, which are valid. Nobody's going to argue the fact that the guy was an activist president and sunk an awful lot of money in social yeah. issues, and nobody that, had confidence with him, right? right? Nobody had confidence really after his you know first couple of years, right? right? But anyway, we won't go won't go there yet. So the idea is like all of it has this been has been building up and building up and building up, and right now it's not suddenly it's going to you know completely stop. Okay, right. it's continuing to build. The interest is compounding. The debt is compounding. I mean, it's and that's a big train that you have to. It stop. is, and so there's one way. There's a couple ways to do it, right? Now with Trump and his policies, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Here's my question: What uh, for people that are listening to the Wall Standard right now? Um, are there certain key? Are, are there certain fail safes? Or certain uh, view switches that people can watch for as he takes takes office and as he starts changing things. Can we tell people, hey, look, watch for this, watch for this, watch for this, because if he's doing these things, if these things happen, things are going to be good. Mm-hmm. If he's doing these things, they're going to be bad. Is that another show entirely? Can you give us a couple that people want to well, watch for right off the bat? If you're his probably, chief economist, what would you tell yeah, people? Yeah, well, I don't. I, I don't. I'm nowhere near qualified to do, ever do something like that. But what I would what I would say is the the sign is not the, what I think the sign is going to be is not what most people think it's going to be. Okay. Because I think it's okay. He's going to lower taxes, and suddenly like things are going to go well. Um, I don't think that's I don't think that's the case. I looking at Donald Trump, some of the things he said on the campaign was like he he was going to you know go he would default or he'd renegotiate debt. Yeah, and I think that is he understands how to do that because he understands bankruptcy law, understands right. corporate law, and right now it's just the debt is unsustainable. I mean, I I don't know how I, to I don't get think out of it. Anybody would even question that. Yeah. And so I, it was it's interesting because he was he was interviewing uh, John Allison, uh, he who was the the, the CEO of BB and T for a while. Uh, BB&T Bank, which was actually mm-hmm. one of the healthiest banks back back in the day yeah. when they did all the bailout stuff, uh, they had no toxic assets. But anyway, he's a big kind of libertarian, um, like Ayn Rand. Wow. Anyway, not like, you know not fond, really not fond of, and I think he was interviewing for like Treasury Sector Secretary, okay, uh, or, or something. But um, but anyway, it's like. Those are they kind of want to like just collapse the system or reset the system or I think that's the well, only way to, about to do we, it. In several episodes back, yeah. we talked about the difference between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, and and you said that uh, Hillary Clinton would collapse the system. Mm-hmm. Now it's you, now you're saying that that Trump may very well do the same thing. Yeah, and I don't because there's no other alternative. Well, I don't think it's him that's going to collapse it. It's already like in my opinion, it's kind of like it's on that trajectory. And it's an, in my opinion, it's an inevitability. I just don't see a way out of it. Now, I don't, I don't know everything. There could be so many different levers to be pulled. Sure. Trump can go in and, you know, he could basically say, okay, Federal Reserve, you know, all the debt that you have, everything on your balance sheet, you're going to forgive. But that is going to like 
make the bond market go well, crazy. Well, governments are going to be furious if he does that. Too. Exactly, because it's going to affect. Are go nuts. Exactly. So anyway, I, I I don't see exactly how it's going to unravel, but I would say some of the signs you got to you got to look to to both sides because with what Trump is going to try to facilitate, yeah, I think it's going to have maybe some short short term bump, but then once you start to see. I don't know, just you know, debt payments well, and spending. Consumer, how it's going to be interesting. The disruption is what I would look for. Okay, we, we okay. So disruption is, I think, inevitable. So no matter what happens, you're going to have that. But yep. consumer confidence, how much does that affect or turn things around? For example, people were feeling they they were saying with Black Friday, people were feeling very very confident, and so uh, both with Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Uh, retail sales were much higher than initially anticipated. Mm-hmm. But is that the little bump that you're talking about? Or, or can genuine, real consumer confidence actually turn the tide of things mm-hmm. and help Donald Trump do what he wants to do? Or does that not matter? Well, I would say, I would say two things. So in do you remember the uh, 51st Dates movie? Adam yes, Sandler and sure. Drew Barrymore, yep. right? Keep were moving. the were the guy that lost uh, loses memory like every ten seconds? Right. I think that's consumer confidence to a degree, <laughs> where it's kind of like you know you're confident, you know during a holiday season, but then like you know January the next month you're like and... you know all hell is breaking loose. Yeah. Sure. So I I would say you know you have that that idea, but I think with if people have jobs. They're confident. If they're making yeah. money, if they're paying their bills, right now that's the best thing for for people. Okay. Uh, for mo- for mo- for most people. Right. Um, looking at really what he's trying to influence with taxes and uh, you know removing red tape, that I think is going to hopefully help businesses want to invest because no business wants to fail and people realize sure, all and sure. most especially american-based businesses they realize that you know the future success of their business is based on a, a, a healthy country mm-hmm. so i think that if he's able to kind of bring you know bring people together be a leader i think it's going to be hard because of the stigma he created during the election mm-hmm. where he definitely you know was mean to people and was a bully and people had this negative outlook on him mm-hmm. and I, I think he did it just really psychologically to you know uh, get sure pre- get press get attention etc if he changes his tune which i think he might it's been interesting to see him like interview you know Mitt Romney uh for like the the secretary of state position because you know Romney was like t- telling people that this guy was like the devil he's a phony and, and a fraud yeah and if he comes in you know and is basically like you're a smart guy you know what you're doing and i want you part of my team yeah. that says a lot about trump and i think if he was able to kind of you know shift gears and become a good leader that maybe will rally rally the troops but i don't know i just see it's a, i see it as an uphill uphill battle it, it and does, it does fall into my area of expertise a little bit the american people are are pretty funky they're really wonky when it comes to their politics and they have what i call selective morality mm-hmm. Yeah. What matters to them in the primaries does not matter to them in the general election. Yeah. And what matters to them in the general election doesn't necessarily matter to them yeah. after someone is elected. Yeah. And I think they, uh, where media perforates everything that we do now, I think people are pretty savvy to the fact that that people will say really grand things. And if 10% of that actually ends up happening, then it's worth their vote. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think... Um, I don't think a lot of what he has promised is is going to be possible. I think if a little bit of it happens, uh, we're all doing better off than we did over the past eight years. Not not that I was carrying the torch for Trump. I was mm-hmm. supporting a different guy. But yep. but there you go. Yeah, um, I, and I just I think it's you know looking at looking at what he's done already before he's even in office. I mean I'm. 
I'm I've been impressed with him. I mean, I met his. I did an interview with his son yep. uh, a few years ago. Yep. Incredibly impressed with him because he's he's my my age, and you know, looking at the his family and reading some of his books over the last few years, just to kind of get an idea of who he is. I mean, I'm I'm in, I'm impressed with the guy. Does he have an ego? He has an ego. How is that going to manifest when yeah. now he's you know kind of the the civil servant of the of the world? You know, I I, I don't know. I, I, it's we're going to be we're all on pins and needles, but it's going to create some great content for the podcast. I do know that. That's <laughs> so one certainty that we could say here because <laughs> everything else has been like minutia. Right. The one certainty we could say is that we'll have good content next year for the Absolutely. podcast. <laughs> and, and keep checking back. Subscribe, subscribe. Tell everybody you know because uh, we're going to stay right on top of it. But I think yeah, I just I look at you know the federal reserve and the power that they have and the study that I've done there uh, and it's banks wall street it, it, there's so much lobby money there's so much influence you know and it's and it's our it's today it's here the results of that are here right now and that's what we, and we have to face it so all these different things that are going to happen you know Patrick you've got it's me change. you've got me so scared i'm ready to start well, building a hole in my backyard and would, hiding yeah. toilet paper so and what beef i would jerky. what i would say is i think there's you know, and this is maybe what we can what we can end with. But what I would say is, you kind of have these this new school thought that exists, whether it's Pierre Diamandis or Elon Musk or people that are just really creating businesses because they want to change the world, right? Yeah. They want to make things inefficient. And then you have this like old school mentality that you have to create inflation. Prices have to go up. Yeah. And I understand the theory and the logic there. I get it. I mean, that's a law of but economics. The, that's kind it, of irrefutable, it, it, right? No, that's what I, that's what I, because I, I look at, like, I just got to, I had to get in, uh, like the, my TV in my, my, my office broke. And I got this new TV that was half of the cost of what the original one was like four or five years ago. Right. All of this new functionality. Okay. Uh -huh. And I could connect to it with my computer and an iPad and an Apple device. Right. So the price on that came down. Prices going down is a function of basically companies figuring out how to be more efficient, more productive. Okay. But yet we're still pushing toward prices going up. And there's this like and that's I where I think it's the now. theory, okay. you know, and, and let's say it's like Elon Musk. What if what if energy prices go to zero? What if he cracks the code on storing, you know, uh, uh, power that comes from from solar or they figure out, you know, a panel technology or some breakthrough there where we don't have to pay for energy. Fusion, remember when right? they thought that they had figured that out? That, that all be. technology is deflationary. So, so this is the here's the the thing that I find fascinating is that you have all of these like deflationary pressures, yeah, but yet you have this agenda of monetary policy for inflation. So you have this collision that's going on, I see. and I think that's it, it's fascinating to me because nobody wants prices to go up other than them. I don't want prices to go up. No. I'd rather pay less for something, sure. right? I'd rather go to the grocery store and pay half as much as I'm paying right now or yeah. for my vehicle or for whatever. Yeah. Everybody sees the value of prices going down and paying less for something, but yet the agenda of monetary policy is for prices to keep going up. Isn't that fascinating? So it's Jekyll Island. It is. It's, it's the, the guy. It's on the Jekyll creature. Island. The creature has no emotions. They have no morals, right? It's a freaking creature, and okay. it's like influence. It's it's influenced the whole world for a hundred years, right? And it's influencing it today. And I don't know. It's one of those. You know, I've I've. So, uh, so for people that are new to this, go hop on Google and research Jekyll Island yeah. and the history of that and what the guys did there. Yeah. So I've met Ed Griffin a few times. Um, which I've I've. He's both been on the podcast a, a few times too, but uh -huh. um, but I he's a fascinating guy. He's he's older, but he's very pessimistic of of what's going on right now. I'm not that way. I I think that human nature 
is uh, highly resilient, and and, and I th- and we and, need yeah. we need a wake up call, right? We need a wake up call with markets. We need a wake up call with just policy in general in the direction of the country. Uh-huh. And you know, there's nothing better than disruption to do that. But in the end, it's not going to collapse society. It's not going to collapse the economy. Well. It may have, it's going to affect it for sure, uh-huh. and that's why you know our our wealth strategy and what we do as a business is you know we're trying to look forward to what's going to be happening you know in a year or two years ten years fifteen years down mm-hmm. the road, and and that's and really why self reliance. That's and that's on, one thing. It's yeah, yeah, it's relying on yourself right. to produce. But it's also, you know, it, and it's not relying on necessarily like Wall Street or a bank to determine your financial destiny. It's really uh-huh. using certain products, using certain strategies that have always worked, not correlated to any of this chaos, okay, but, you know, essentially allow you uh, the utilization capacity to take it and make more money yourself with it as opposed to relying on some money manager. To I think do a it. lot of people would be very surprised. I was certainly one of these people. Uh, would be very surprised to find out how easy it is to switch from these atypical lending practices to do some some different alternative things that really give you much more control over your wealth and over your future yep. and, and your legacy even. So. Yeah, so that's and that's why we've kind of gone into a lot of study in regards to all this stuff is just because you know we and not, and not to say that we I came up with it because I didn't. I have, I have amazing mentors, maybe amazing people that I've learned from. It's more of just kind of carrying their torch. Yeah. And you know a lot of research has gone into this and there's a lot of very compelling information that backs everything that we've said uh, up. Well, and these and, strategies that that we do here are are Hundreds of years, well, 100, 150 years old, roughly. I mean, give more. Or take. Yeah, you go back. You go back to seventeen hundreds. Oh wow! Right. So it's it's one of those. Yeah, it's one of those things where yeah, it's worked for a long time. It'll work in the future, but right now the pressure, the social pressures that exist from Wall Street, because Wall Street they want inflation, they want more money, they want people to make more money and put more money keep with the machine them. Machine going. They keep the machine going, right? Because yeah. you know, low in, interest rates right now are ideal for them. Right, mm-hmm. they are huge on leverage, and they and know they're the probably less... not going to stay that way. So no. they're just grabbing as much as they can. And yeah. they're very—they have that same kind of mentality as the fifty-first dates guy, right? Mm-hmm. Where they just I mean, they don't remember when interest rates were at normal levels. Mm-hmm. All of Wall Street, right? Anyway, all of Wall Street now is computers, anyway. But right. all right, we won't get off on that tangent. There you go. Well, uh, again, um, there's there's a lot of things for you to reference from this one uh, podcast. We'd encourage you to go back and check out previous podcasts of the Wealth Standard. Uh, more on the Fed, more on um, Jekyll Island. Uh, no doubt we're going to be talking about this uh, over the next several months. As <laughs> Chung Trump and the through. Creature from Jekyll Island Part 2. I love it. Yeah, as people get ready for Trump's first 100 days. Sounds like an interesting movie. It really does, actually. <laughs> Start writing that. But no, yeah, we'll, uh, and there's you know there's other organizations too. If you want to learn more about the Fed, I mean, the Mises Institute is is pretty amazing. Um, and FEE, Foundation for Economic Education, that's another really cool, yeah, a, Really cool website, full of tons uh, of information, and they have some free PDFs and eBooks too, which you can learn all about it. Right. So, there all right, go. all right, let's let's wrap up. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what happens next week with Mrs. Uh, well, I think Ms. Yellen, and see what happens with you know interest rates. They're they're priced to go up a quarter point, and you know, and 
and make, we'll make sure you come back next week to get our take on it. And we'll have the full analysis. Yeah, we'll, and, t- we'll break and, it down. Absolutely. Break it down. And then we'll end probably end the year with uh, with that last podcast. But anyway, I hope you guys are having a good holiday season. Go out and do your shopping so that there's lots of money that circulates through the economy. There you go. That was sarcastic. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, hope you guys got something out of this. If anything, it was to learn more about monetary policy and its influence on your life and mine and society's. Uh, but with that being said, Chunga, thank you. Oh, this was, a, a this was pleasure fun. as always, man. Okay, and we'll I'll talk to you guys next week. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Radio Show, your gold standard in everything financial.